Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Kingdom Says Podcast. Uh, we are here during the off-season, and I am not your usual uh, introductory host. I am not Garrett Williams, although before we get started, I do want to take a moment to wish Garrett a happy birthday. Uh, today is his birthday, the day of the recording. Uh, I'm sure you guys will get this a day or two later, but uh, shout out to Garrett, who normally does a much better job of introducing the podcast than I'm doing right now. But it is the off-season. It is draft season, although it's always draft season, despite what my co-hosts, my regular co-hosts like to say. I am always eyeball deep in this, knee deep in this, and I am excited to come to you guys today and talk position rankings. We're going to do top five for our offensive tackle and our defensive end rankings today. Uh, A couple things I want to say off the top. You're going to notice, especially on the defensive end side, there are two names that are not going to be put on my list. One of them I've written up. The other one I didn't. Uh, I did not write up just because he's going to be in the top five. He's not a uh, reasonable candidate for the Chiefs. That's Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. The other one I wrote up earlier in the season, and then his uh, draft stock has skyrocketed. That's Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. I don't get the impression that the Chiefs are planning on moving up into the top 10 uh, after winning a Super Bowl to grab a defensive end. I think the cost would be too much for that. So uh, I'm not going to talk about those guys. And I'm also going to avoid talking about guys such as Nolan Smith, who uh, schematically probably don't fit in Kansas City. As much of an exciting player as they might be, as much as a prospect that some people may be higher on, some people have, uh, after his combine, been talking about him as a top 20, top 15 pick. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Nolan Smith is a, a fun player, uh, probably not a guy that Steve Spagnuolo was going to take a long, hard look at, and I think that he would have a, a tough fit in Kansas City. So, again, I could always be surprised. I was wrong one time before. Uh, but outside of that, these lists and the Kingdom Building series is really focused on guys on draft prospects and specifically how they could or could not fit into Kansas City. And I really want to be careful not to spend a lot of time on guys that we just know aren't going to be there. And I think Nolan Smith uh, is a great example of that. Again, I could be surprised, but history would indicate otherwise. So we are going to talk top five in each position with a couple of honorable mentions for them. A lot of these guys we've already put out and written up in graphic form on Twitter. Make sure you're giving us a follow. I am, of course, Arrowhead Tom at Arrowhead Tom. You can see that at the bottom of the screen. This is the Kingdom Says Podcast at the Kingdom Says Pod. Make sure you're following my co-hosts uh, at uh, Kyle Henning at Kathan16 and Garrett Williams at Garrett uh, 720. That's two R's and two T's in Garrett, just in case you didn't know. So make sure you give those guys a follow. You'll see draft content going along as we get closer to the draft. And let me tell you, folks, it is flying up on us. It'll be here before you know it. And then we get to the boring part of the offseason. And by that, I mean the 2024 NFL draft season. So let's talk offensive tackles. Certainly a need in Kansas City, even with the addition of Juwan Taylor. They still don't have a clear or reliable answer at right tackle. So there's a couple of things I looked at when I was writing these guys up. One, I valued the ability for them to play right and left tackle because if for some reason the Jawan Taylor experiment doesn't work out, and I think that it will, but if for some reason it doesn't, having some insurance of a guy that you could slide over there uh, in year two, year three is extra beneficial. There are a couple of guys on this list that are probably right tackle exclusive, and you'll see them kind of lower at the – the bottom of the, the list, it's a little bit harder for me to make that case be just because 
again, if I, I value that flexibility, I think the, the Chiefs value that flexibility. So let's talk about the number one tackle I have on my board. And it's kind of cheating a little bit because I'm not entirely sure that he's going to play tackle in the NFL. Number one tackle for me, the number one offensive lineman across the board in this draft class is Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Now, I say I don't know if he's going to play right tackle because his arms are historically short. A 32 and a quarter inch would be almost a full inch shorter than what most people want at, at any tackle position, but he did play tackle in college. He is one of the nastiest offensive linemen you'll find. He is really technically sound, like as a prospect, literally if his arms were an inch, like an inch longer, we would probably be talking about him as a top 10 lock. So it's concerning, uh, but the reality is, is that he, a lot of teams will probably project him inside to guard. Uh, we talked about him on a previous episode. I compared him to Brandon Scherf, longtime Washington guard, who I believe now is finishing his career down in Jacksonville. Similar uh, prospect-wise in terms of elite offensive linemen who just might not be able to take it at offensive tackle. Next on the list is probably a lot of offensive tackle, the, the top offensive tackle for most people. That's uh, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. He doesn't have as much experience as you would like for a, a guy that you're bringing in to play left tackle. But all the physical tools are there, and his one year as the left tackle for the Buckeyes looked really good. His You couldn't build a better offensive tackle at 6'6", 313. His arms are 36 and, a, and an eighth inch long, so it's good length. He moves better than he has any business moving as a, as a guy his side. Uh, he does have versatility as well. He played some guard in college, uh, actually played on the right side. I want to see him get a little bit stronger at the point of attack, but I think that'll come with an NFL strength and conditioning regimen just as he grows into his body and continues to develop as a player. Next up on the list is a very similar player. This is an offensive tackle three for me. This is Georgia's offensive tackle, Broderick Jones. I struggled with him initially because I really wasn't a huge fan. I had to go back and, and watch him a couple times, and I really thought this is a guy who should slide inside to guard full-time. But then I started to see the glimpses of it, right? The glimpses of, like, the potential for good footwork. Again, similar to Paris Johnson, the guy flies around the field, moves way faster than he, he should. I think he's he's a underrated run blocker in this draft. And the technical side of his pass blocking, there there's room to grow there. And I think you even saw some, some improvement. Again, not a very experienced player at left tackle, a uh, younger player, but has all the athletic tools, has all the pieces that you want there in terms of the puzzle. And you know what? Honestly, if, if for some reason or somehow he was there at the end of round one or even within you know striking distance, it would make sense to me to grab him and go, hey, we're going to start you on the right side and maybe you'll be the left tackle in three or four years. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe it'll just be a Pro Bowl right tackle and, and that'll be a good career for you. The next name on my list is probably one that gets a little interesting. This is where I might deviate from a lot of uh, common rankings. Number four tackle on the board for me is Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. This is one of those guys that is a little bit more projection, very similar to the other two guys before him, but for whatever reason is not held in the same regard. I think he's. I think that makes sense to to an extent because he really has a, a, some more developing to go as a as a football player. As an athlete, all the pieces are there. The size and all that stuff are are solid. I think that he moves better than some people give him credit for on tape, but isn't isn't nearly as fluid as the other two guys as. Uh, Jones and Johnson. This is a guy who, again, I think you start him at right tackle, and if you get left tackle snaps out of him, that's a benefit. But he has to grow as a technician a little bit. His athleticism overall isn't to the same level as the other guys on this list, and so he 
he's like right on that line between can he play left tackle or is he going to be at right tackle? I'm going to say this name and, and probably trigger some people, but a little bit of Donald Stevenson in, in that mold. I think Harrison has the potential to be a better player and a, a more long-term starter. But Anton Harrison, if you grabbed him at the end of day one, might be a little bit early, but if you, you know, I think you could you could justify it in terms of what you're you're getting there. Uh, so that lends that's the the end of the guys who can play left tackle who might you know slide over. The next two guys on this list are right tackle exclusive. And when I tell you splitting these two was was pretty hard. It, it came down to the flavor that you wanted. So coming in at number five for me on my offensive tackle rankings is Dewan Jones out of Ohio State. He gets the fifth ranking based solely on his potential and his upside as a unique tackle prospect. We've talked about him on previous episodes, six foot eight, 374 pounds, which you probably want him to, to trim down to somewhere in the 360s, 36 and 3 8 inch arms, 11 and 5 8 inch hands. This guy is bigger than Orlando Brown Jr., and he's willing to play right tackle. He's obviously not going to be the best mover, but it's you know you don't need to move too much when you can reach across the field with one arm. I think that there's a lot of his game that like he has. I think maybe the most boomer bust potential on this list in terms of is this a guy who's just gotten by relying on pure strength and being nearly immovable as a player? And those those guys do exist. And then they get to the NFL and they're playing against human freaks who can move them and they don't know how to do anything about it. So as a player, I don't love Jones' tape. I don't hate it. It's very, as the kids these days would say, it's very mid. But he has a size that you can't teach. And if you can clean up some of the things on his game, you could end up with a unique talent at right tackle. The polar opposite of Dewan Jones is Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. He gets the honorable mention spot for us. Honestly, and, and this seems to be the consensus, he's a guy who, you know, if you watch him play, he's right tackle exclusive, but you plug him in on the right side and it just feels like everybody knows he's going to be a solid starter for 10 years on the right side. He's a highly recruited player. Uh, Tennessee did try him at left tackle for a little bit, did not work out well, but he has been consistent at right tackle and he has been i think one of the more accomplished offensive linemen on this list if we were just talking in terms of true talent he would probably be a little bit higher but again the value of being able to to be versatile and play otherwise uh, other spots i think darnell Wright is exclusively a right tackle maybe you kick him inside a guard if you have to but i think that he really is a natural tackle i think he's got one of the better anchors in this in this draft of somebody who's consistently able to stop pass rushers and i think obviously in kansas city that's going to go a long way to being a valuable asset on that line so maybe a back end of the first round guy i it's like it's one of those picks that you wouldn't hate it but you also couldn't like you know it's not going to be exciting right it's like getting a good pair of socks for christmas that's darnell right for you so that rounds off the top five, technically top six tackles uh, for this draft class. A lot of these guys are already out in, in reports. I'll, we'll talk about some more, but I wanted to get these guys out as we get closer to the draft. We're going to flip over to the other side of the, the line now. We're going to talk about edge players, about defensive end players. And this is, again, a conversation that has to be a little tailor-made for Kansas City because they have a specific type. Not all these players fit that type specifically, and I'll talk about the ones that do and don't um, just in terms of them liking bigger defensive ends. But it is important to know that, again, I left Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson off this list 
because I don't think that there's a realistic chance that they are going to end up even within striking distance of Kansas City. Even if one of them pulled a uh, Laramie Tunsil and had a gas mask video on draft day, I think that they're both pretty well locked up in the, the top 15, and I don't think Kansas City's trying to make that type of move. So let's talk about defensive ends and guys that could fit in Kansas City. Number one on my list, and this is, I think, going to be a little bit of, I don't know how to call it controversial, but I almost want to include him in, in the list of guys that probably won't be in striking distance, but I think that his draft stock has cooled off a ton. And that's Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Uh, this time last year, we were having conversations about Miles Murphy as a top five lock. And there were even some people who preferred Murphy over Will Anderson. Not many, but there were. They did exist. Murphy is a highly recruited guy at a, at a high school, went to Clemson, had some high-end flashes, and everybody kind of was projecting that he was going to take a step forward this year, and he didn't. There were a lot of things that happened on that Clemson team and that Clemson defensive line. The way that he was just kind of utilized, I think, sometimes was not to his strengths. I think you, you're you taking a guy who is 6'5", 268, 33 and three-quarters inch arm, so decent arm, like decent size, has a pretty prototypical size, especially for a like a 4-3 defense or a bigger, bigger defensive end prospect like Kansas City likes. He could be within striking distance of Kansas City. If you're talking about a move up, he's a guy I would watch. If he falls into the mid-20s, I think that there's going to be some temptation there. Really has all the athletic tools and – uh, I really was impressed with his effort sometimes, even when he was put in positions where I felt like he was being asked to do things that he that were counterproductive to him being being the player that he is. I think that he always had good hustle on the field. I think that he could be a guy that we look back at and go, man, how did he fall so far in the draft a couple of years from now? So Miles Murphy out of Clemson is the top edge prospect for Kansas City. Uh, again, not counting the other two who are excluded because there's not a realistic way for them to get up here. Next on that list, following the the same kind of prototype of, of big defensive ends, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Not an ex- Well, I, I take that back. Some people want to say he's not an experienced player. Um, he did not start for Iowa, but that had more to do with seniority and some other things. Van Ness is, I've, I've talked to him, I've compared him to a twitchier George Karloftis. Uh, looking at his test results from the combine, I think he's got a little bit more going to him. Um, I think he just, he's got such a, his size is great, but he just moves so well and he plays with an intensity, plays with a, a determination that's, that's sometimes hard to, to put into words. He just like locks on. It's almost like Terminator efficiently, like Terminator efficiency. I think that he really has tools that Steve Spagnuolo would covet. I also think that he's probably going in the top 20. So he's the guy that you'd have to move up for. Uh, I think that he would be worth the move up for in terms of the the upside there. He's a younger player. Like I said, 6'5", 272, 34-inch arms, 11-inch uh, hands, all this stuff I'm, I'm just reading. You know, I've got it on the NFL uh, website from the Combine. Needs to be – needs just to really get more experience and, you know, some, some starting snaps. And I, I think that you could have a really special player here. It's hard to make this comparison just because of the the level, but honestly, watching him, I like it, it reminded me a little bit of TJ Watt because you were just like, "Why aren't we talking about this kid more?" Uh, this is this is a good football player. So Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, he is my number two guy behind Miles Murphy here. Uh, I know his draft stock has warmed up lately, and he could end up going a lot higher, but worth worth having the conversation would definitely be a fit in Kansas City. Next player on this list is the one true outlier in some sense. I, he is 
both underweight and under height for what Kansas City looks for in defensive ends. That's B.J. Ojulari. Now, one of the important things to mention here, I'm not sure that the height matters as much as the arm length for Kansas City. B.J. Ojulari has 34 and a quarter inch arms, which is longer than the other two guys on this list. He's got 10 and a half inch hands, which is just under what Lucas Van Ness came in. And here's the thing. He's 6'2", 248. I know that most of the time Kansas City wants guys to start at like 255. But you have to think about that from a build perspective, right? He's a little bit shorter. He could be a little like – his his frame is compact enough that I think that, one, he's able to generate some strength. He's built pretty well, just a little short. And I also think his athletic profile uh, shows the ability to add some functional strength but also to be a special pass rusher at the next level. And I think that's where you you start him. His brother Aziz played in New York, plays in New York. I absolutely fell in love with this kid as a pass rusher. He was the first player we released with the scouts pick badge on him. He's a guy that regardless of everything else, I would just be excited to see in Kansas City. I think he is going to be a, a double-digit sack guy, and people are going to really look back and go, man, how did he not go higher? I, there's definitely room. The other thing that's important about BJ is he's only 20 years old. So all the size concerns and everything else, he's still growing. And I think that he could be a special player in the right circumstance, especially if you don't have to rush him in and you bring him into a a strong locker room like Kansas city, and you are putting him in a position to to be successful, uh, especially as he develops as a player. So BJ Ojulari is third on the list for the defensive ends for Kansas city. This next name is... Another one that I think is interesting, I think it might surprise some people here, not not a name that would be expected because there's a lot of other edge players that have been kind of tacked to Kansas City that aren't this guy. Derek Hall out of Auburn. I, full transparency, did not want to like Derek Hall. I did everything in my power not to want to like this kid. I, I still have, I haven't forgiven Auburn for D Ford, especially the early years. I haven't forgiven D Ford for being offsides. It's hard. It's hard for me to go, all right, I'm going to give this guy a fair chance. And, and so when you're getting into the kind of really that second grouping, technically like the third grouping of defensive ends, like I said, uh, Anderson and, and Wilson are on their own. But this is kind of that top of the third tier defensive ends for me. And and I'm almost tempted to put Derek Hall in that second tier because I just ended up liking him so much more than I thought. It's weird to have a player who is as productive as he was in the SEC for a program. People are just like, yeah, he's a second round pick. Like that's just that's just how it is. I I loved his tape. I think he plays with a demeanor on the field. If you're trying to replace like that leadership, that that energy that you know Frank Clark brought. You, obviously, he had the veteran experience, but like Derek Hall. That's that's who he reminded me of a lot of, at times, but I think he's got a little more twitch to him, a little more. I don't want to say a little more bend because Frank had plenty of that, but he's just got a yeah, just he's younger and faster, and you know, six three two fifty four, so he's right there, um, thirty four and a half inch arms, ten inch hands. He was just you know a super productive player at Auburn, accomplished in the SEC. Uh, you watch you, the other thing about this guy, you know, uh, you're watching him play against you know Alabama and these other NFL talent, NFL level talents, and he's is good. He holds up. I think his strength is is really good. I there's some really good pass rushers in this class. Again, I did everything in my power not to like Derek Hall, but he he I I fell in love with this kid pretty quickly and I wouldn't be mad at all if the Chiefs grabbed him. Like I said, most people see him as a day two. I think he's gonna go top fifty. I think if you move down a little bit and grab him, you know, that's that's a solid move. But I I am thoroughly perplexed at 
the lack of hype that Derek Hall gets. And I think it's because he's been just so constant for so long. And it feels like one of those things where you just, you know, where you, what you're going to get compared to some of the other names I'm about to talk to. I think Derek Hall is above them, at least in my rankings. All right. Number five on the list. And one of the, a local kid who was not only, you know, played in Kansas city as a high schooler, then went to Kansas state local prospect, Felix, Enudike Uzama, uh, King Felix, as I've seen him referred to on Twitter. I'll be honest, it's sometimes hard to look at these guys who are local products because there's always that little bit of that bias. There's a little bit of that like, oh, yeah, like it'd be cool to have a Kansas State player or a Mizzou player or, you know, that type of thing. You know, they always get a little bit more hype just in the local area. And I had to filter through that a little bit personally because I didn't, like, again, I'm not – I don't necessarily have any collegiate alliances, but I felt like a lot of the hype, you know, that I heard was was more about him being a local guy. Arms 33 and a half inches. They're solid. Nine and five eighths hand. He's size-wise, he's fine. 6'3, 255, right? He hits some of those thresholds. Not all of them. I one of the things that the the reason that Felix made this list at five and, and not some other guys is I think he's still ascending as a player. I think that he plays with high energy and he has some physical traits that you can't teach. I think he's got a, a great first step. I think that he has just a natural bend. And I, I do think that he has the has a just a knack for playing the position that will translate well to the to the NFL. So I am putting Felix here at number five. Really he's like the seventh and on my list, but I I put him just below Derek Hall because I just feel like Derek Hall has done more, accomplished more with some tougher competition. And um, both these guys are, are younger guys and have some some room to grow. And I yeah, like I said, I wouldn't be upset with Felix, you know, if there was a trade down and top around two kind of situation. I'm not sure I would be excited at 31 for him, but he is a player who I could I could definitely get behind. All right, we're going to close out with two honorable mention players here. Uh, the f- first one is a defensive end who, for whatever reason, has been mocked to the Chiefs a lot lately. Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa State, 6'4", 239, long arms at 34 and 34 inches and 7'8". Seven ta- seven wow. I'm going to fail at talking at the end of the episode. His arms are 34 and 7'8". Garrett, don't even edit this out. Just leave it. Long arms, almost 35 inches, nine and a half inch hands, uh, super hyper productive player at Iowa State. He's a little light and I am not the biggest fan. (laughs) I think that he probably needs to play in a stand up role. I think that he isn't an ideal fit for Kansas City. Very twitchy, very kind of more of a finesse rusher. And that's not as an insult. It's just more of a speed guy, right? Um, kind of in a Harold Landry type of mold is what I think of. I think he'll be a solid pro. I just don't know if he fits in Kansas City like some of the people have projected him to. So again, if if we're talking end of day two, right? If this is the second round pick for Kansas City, I wouldn't be upset. So but if he were at 31, I would have to remind myself that Brett Veach has two Super Bowl rings and I have none. So that is honorable mention just because he is associated a lot he's mocked a lot to kansas city i've seen his name float around a lot lately i don't think it'll happen 
but I wanted to bring him up and, and just give a quick blurb to him here. I don't see it as a fit for Kansas City, um, but I do think he's a good player overall and has solid potential. He is also an older prospect. I think he'll be 25 at some point in the NFL season, which traditionally Brett Beach has looked to avoid those types of players. Last but not least, and I'm cheating a little bit here because I think this player is a little bit of a tweener. And we've talked about him before. I've talked about him for months, but I can't bring him up on – I'm not going to include him on the defensive tackle because I think that Kansas City would use him more as an end. And that is Adetamiwa Adeboire. I'm surprised it only took me two times to say. Northwestern defensive end, uh, also a local kid, born and raised, played in Kansas City. He His measurables are weird. 6'2", that's short, right? 282 pounds, 33 and 78 arms, 10.5-inch hands, right? So here's the thing. Adeboire is, when you watch him on tape, you see flashes of a really high-level player playing in a, a lower-level competition necessarily, like not the best competition, not the best program. And he has has really high-end flashes. And then he goes to the combine, and he blows it up. A 4 4 9 40 161 10-yard split. We talked about this last week. If you haven't heard that episode, you should go back and check it out. I'm putting him here because I think uh, as much as I, he's kind of a positional tweener, there's a lot of people think he's more of a defensive tackle, defensive end. I think Steve Spagnuolo goes, I don't care what you call him. I'm putting him on the defensive line. He's going to wreck people. If I were really committing to him as a defensive end, I would probably have him above Felix, if I'm just being really honest. I love this kid as a prospect, and I think that he has some really – top end potential younger kid again just i would be excited maybe not as much as other people but if he if he went at 31 i would i would take that definitely over felix and will mcdonald just because i know uh steve spagnolo is going to use him in a way that is creative you think about what you can do with guys like george Karloftis and you know charles and and chris jones and you add out of to that mix those are guys who you could play inside out all four of them at pretty much almost at any of those spots. So you just, you talk about some of the mad scientist potential there, sign me up for that. All right, guys, I appreciate you sticking through this episode with me. Just a quick rundown of primer. These are guys are, you know, we're most of these guys are going to be uh, candidates at 31. Some of those might be valued a little bit better in the second round, but I think Kansas city is going to um, take a heavy look at a lot of these guys. As always, we've got more draft content coming up. We're about to get into all the wide receivers. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't like many of them. Uh, and by many of them, I mean like there's like three of them that I do like. So prepare yourself for some cynical draft takes at the wide receiver uh, position. We're going to get into that uh, over the next coming days, and we'll continue to, to provide draft coverage all the way up into and including the draft. So once again, I am Arrowhead Tom with the Kingdom Says Podcast. Uh, my co-hosts, Garrett and Kyle, are not here tonight, but... Make sure you give us all a follow. Again, I'm at Arrowhead Tom. The podcast is at the Kingdom Says, or excuse me, it's at Kingdom Says Pod. Kyle is K then uh, sixteen on Twitter, and Garrett is at Garrett seven twenty. That's with two R's and two T's. And if you are listening to this, go uh, wish Garrett a happy birthday. He uh, he is finally um, catching up to me and Kyle in age. So thanks again for tuning in. We will talk to you guys next time.